Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 75 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am here in lovely Lander, Wyoming, which most of you now know is home, and I am nursing a minor finger injury. Um, Mild to moderate strain of my A2 pulley in my middle finger, but I talked with my friend and uh, doctor of physical therapy, Carrie Cooper, and she gave me some rehab work, which I've been doing diligently, as should all of you who are injured. And it's feeling pretty damn good. Um, it's only been a week, not even quite a week. Uh, so I have high hopes. Shouldn't be much longer and I'll be back to climbing, at least low intensity. So um, not a big deal. Uh, and actually, I'm not too frustrated about it because it's given me a really good chance to work on some other things, including our Core for Climbers ebook, as well as a few other projects that have been in need of attention, like uh, refining my presentation for the Performance Climbing Coach Seminar, which happens in Columbia, Maryland, April 6th to 8th. I'll be there talking about coaching movement skills and mindset. Alongside Steve Bechtel, Tyler Nelson, Neely Quinn, Charlie Manganello, And this one looks like it's going to fill up for sure. So uh, get signed up if you're interested. You can do that at climbstrong.com. And uh, I'm tentatively planning on being out there on the East Coast for a week or so after. So um, I'm just about to start reaching out to other area gyms. So if you happen to be a coach, a gym manager, whatever and you might be interested in having Nate and I do some work with your youth team or your gym community in April, hit me up, powercompanyclimbing.com. Hit that contact tab. That goes directly to me for now. Uh, Today's guest, Heather Widener, doesn't really need an introduction. She's one of America's best sport climbers and recently joined a small group of women to have climbed 514 Trad with her ascent of China Doll in Dream Canyon, Colorado. And it's that ascent that led to this conversation with Heather, more specifically the film that was made about it, uh, directed by John Glassberg and written by Caroline Treadway. And if you haven't seen the film, then... Pause this, watch it, and then come back. I don't want to say too much here, uh, but I'm definitely going to have a lot of thoughts on the other side. So let's get into it. I'm never going to just nail it. All of a sudden, I'm going to be like so solid. No, it's like always a process. I'll always be working on it. I'm glad you're willing to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, pretty open about Like about when it. I saw 
when I saw the film, well, first off, congrats. Thank on, you so much. On sending. Um, China Doll looks amazing and is a dream route for sure. Thanks. Yeah. Whew, so, glad it's done. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's been just about a year and a half now. It's kind of yeah. crazy. Those big projects take a toll on you mentally. Oh, you know, yeah. Emotionally. Absolutely. So. Yeah. For about a year, I couldn't do much of any projecting. So yeah. finally feeling ready. Yep. And when I saw the film, I was like, and I, I think a lot of people have had this experience watching it, that there's this mix of emotions. Like you're super stoked for you, stoked for you pushing so hard. And then there's this element of yours and Chris's relationship and and you having all these self-doubts and being really hard on yourself. And there are times when it seems like Chris isn't helping the situation. So I left, like I finished watching the film with sort of a, I don't even know how to put it, but not necessarily a bad taste in my mouth, but a little bit confusing. And especially in today's climate where there's like this, you know, push toward gender equality and, you know, men not being so, so much like men, you know, so stereotypical. Um, it seemed like strange timing. And then I read your blog and I was kind of blown away. Like, why wasn't, why wasn't this the film? Like, why wasn't what she's saying here the film? Because this is amazing. And it sounds like maybe you had the same experience when you watched the film. Yeah, absolutely. I, it was interesting because when I first watched the film, I was kind of in that post-send haze. And I think it was even before a lot of the gender inequality uprising was happening. Sure. Yep. And then I watched it again like months later before it was going to come out. Yeah. And I just started bawling. Mostly because I felt really, really sad for that girl in the film. Yeah. I felt like I had changed a lot since the film was made and since I did that project. And I just had this like overwhelming sense of deep sadness for that person mm -hmm. in the film. And it was also interesting because I showed it to um, a few people and one of my closest friends just told me straight up that she didn't like it at all. Yeah. That she saw what you were kind of talking about, like a little bit of the portrayal of Chris being overbearing and kind of this like mentor role and um, a lot of like the credit in, in a lot of ways was put on the male in this right. film, right. which I think can be so typical. Um, and it's funny that you say, gosh, why wasn't the film more like what I had written about? And... Caroline Treadway, who wrote the film, right. in part with John Glassberg, I think she really intended it to bring awareness uh, that women often don't have as much confidence in themselves as they should. Right. But I think instead it came away a little bit different, and everyone interprets it a little differently too. So it is confusing. Yeah. Um, I felt after I watched the movie later and was like bawling, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like I need to, I need to like set this straight and I need to tell everyone that is going to be watching this, how I felt about it. Yeah. You know, and it's always tough when 
you know, someone's making a film about you, it's their piece of art, right? right? Totally. You know, and so there were a lot of like kind of a lot of things that were very real about the film, but also a lot of inaccuracies too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you know, no, no discredit at all to Caroline or John. Um, I know that as a as a creative myself, you know, I know that it's scary to put anything you make out into the world, and for you to be the subject of this thing that's being put out into the world has got to be scary as well. But I don't know. I don't know what Caroline's um, goal was necessarily. If it was to bring awareness, I mean, it did. It did make me really aware. Yeah. Um, maybe not in the way she atten- intended it to, but it did. It did put the focus on that, and it yeah. did. It did start conversation. Yeah. You know, I had a quite a few conversations with the other coaches that I work with and with a lot of my friends just about here's watch this film. Let's talk about it because it's leaving me with a a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And I want to talk about that. And through all those conversations, I said, I have to talk to Heather, you know, we've got to get together and talk about this because it's, it's a little bit surprising and a little bit, sad i think that's i think you put it right yeah i I felt sad for that girl right you know and i think one of the main goals for john and caroline was to produce something that was outside of the normal mold of climbing movies which i think it really did a great job of you know here's this girl who just went and climbed this 514 trad climb like you know why doesn't she have this you know, overt confidence, right. you know, even after achieving this huge goal. And I think exposing that is important to everyone, everyone, because it doesn't matter what you, you know, achieve in your life, what you accomplish. Ultimately, you feeling good about yourself, quote unquote, good about yourself right. comes from something different. Yeah, totally. So and I think it does, it does magnify that quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. You know, um, and I understand the difficulty in dealing with a subject like that. You know, I'm, they were willing to struggle through figuring out how to make the film say what it said, whether they achieved that or not, the same as I struggle through trying to have difficult conversations on the podcast or, you know, yeah. in my songs or whatever it is. For sure. So That's what makes it kind of meaningful and valuable. Yeah. I think just having that sense of, deep vulnerability where whereas a lot of times in the social media world today it's easy to think that you know all we see is the good stuff everyone's happy you know and and then sometimes I'm left with this bad taste in my mouth like well what's wrong with me why can't I be like these people Mm -hmm. so successful all the time and so happy and, and whatnot so I for me it's therapeutic to have a real openness with others and I think it's important for all people to uh, stay stay vulnerable, stay open, and yeah. And I think it helps everybody in the end. Totally. Now, when you watched it, those several months later, before it, you know, the final cut or whatever, before it came out, did you watch it with Chris? 
You know, I didn't actually. I was with my uh, one of my best friends, one of my best girlfriends. And it was hard because she brought up the fact that the movie seemed to really expose just one part of my personality mm-hmm. in the you know, darkest way. And she told me, which I believe is true, you know, 98% of the time, I'm very positive and right. super like, you know, outgoing and, you know, up for anything and supportive of people. And, and the movie kind of portrayed one aspect of my personality. Yeah. And she was worried that people would think, oh, that's what people are going to think of you. That's mm-hmm. all they're going to see from this movie because, you know, I don't have the pleasure of hanging out with everybody right. that, you know, sure. watches the movie. So that was her concern for me is that it seemed really um, just one-sided. Yeah. And I totally understand that. For sure. Yeah. Did you talk to Chris about your like your reservations with it? You know, um, we talked about it together a bit and um, we think of it kind of as opening a little diary into our personal lives. I mean, there were some really like intimate and tender moments in there mixed in with like a little bit of tension too. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the hard things when I rewatched the movie too was Chris Chris and I had gone through a, a tough time in our relationship and so watching it again and seeing those like tender moments on the film for everyone else to see was right. really hard yeah. because at that time I just wanted to be like hey you know re- relationships are really hard mm-hmm. they're never perfect and uh, you know as sappy as you know showing our engagement on the on the film was and everything um, it was just difficult for that yeah. to be out there. Yeah, and especially, I mean, climbing is a really emotional thing anyway, you know? We're, yeah. We're very attached to it with our emotions, and <clears throat> and I'm speaking in grand gestures here, but men and women express those emotions differently or deal with them differently, and I think that's really highlighted when you're climbing and trying something really hard. Yeah. Especially if the two of you are working on it together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I really like that you touched on this point because I feel like a lot of couples struggle with this. Yeah. And, yeah, when the stakes are high and there's like this little aspect of competitiveness mm-hmm. between the partners, um, it just becomes really intense. And, for instance, my breakdowns, my biggest breakdowns would be with Chris, you know, right. in the past versus another person and probably because it is such an intimate relationship but it's also not really fair to that person and um it's it's an interesting dynamic in a lot of ways it's like the coolest thing ever because Mm -hmm. you get to like share all these different aspects of your life with your partner but in in another sense i value my time climbing with other people and my girlfriends especially so much and it's such a different dynamic i think sometimes um men and women in general there's like a little competitiveness and there's also like for me this feeling like i need to like impress my husband or something and it's so silly to say that but it's true it's different than when i'm with my girlfriends and we're just like so psyched for each other and like just straight up supportive yeah i my fiance made an observation uh, at at the red a couple of years ago that really 
kind of set me on this path to trying to figure out how to be a better, more effective climbing partner for her. And that was that, you know, we were out climbing and, and we've all experienced this moment where um, I said something to her about, you know, a, a positive encouragement and she's like, shut up, you know? Yeah. And then my friend Dave said the exact same <laughs> words and she's like, thanks, Dave. That was great. And I was like, what? Yeah. And when she came down, she's like, you know what? When you said it, it was, it was an emotional trigger. It wasn't a bad emotional trigger, but it was more emotion. And I was already at my utmost with emotion up there. Yeah. So I couldn't process it as anything but overload. I totally get that. When Dave talked, I heard him. There was no emotion. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. You know? Well, mm. it's funny. I just am thinking about one incident when we were out working the route together. I remember, um, I think I was like two hanging the, the route at the time. And Chris was like, you're really close. And I remember distinctly thinking, I thought he was just telling me that to make me feel better. Right. Like I didn't think there was any truth to that at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I re remember kind of like resenting it even like, <laughs> like why would yeah. he even say that? Like, is he trying to sabotage me? Yeah. Or yeah. just like, you know, try to make me feel better, but not be real. I don't know. It's, it's very complicated and it's confusing. And I'm still in the process of trying to figure out exactly um, why the dynamic is so different with my partner versus with Chris versus mm -hmm. other partners. Um, but I think the main thing that's helped me is recognizing those thoughts that go through my head when yeah. say Chris says something yep. to me and just <clears throat> recognizing it as a thought only, you know, the mind does this, it goes into this kind of mind chatter and not putting so much, um, not contemplating it so much, you know, right. And just trying to focus on what you're doing that day. Yep. Focus on the climbing. How did Chris feel about his portrayal of it? You know, in the film, he mentioned to me that he thought he was kind of the one that looked kind of quote unquote bad in the film. Mm -hmm. You know, there were like shots of him being kind of goofy and um, and whatnot. But we honestly like haven't talked about it a ton because it is a difficult subject sure, <laughs> together. Sure. But uh, I don't think that he thinks he comes across as very bossy. And I think he is pretty defensive about, hey, I helped you a lot on that route, right. which I can't deny at all. Like he helped me so much, mm -hmm. you know, on that route. And, uh, but I think that um, the dynamic between men and women is just different. And, it is for sure. Yeah. And he has been climbing longer than me and he did, you know, kind of fall into this a bit of a mentor role. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not faulting him at all for that, but... I think that sometimes, like his one comment in the film of, um, you know, like no matter what I say, like it doesn't matter, like when women are in a bad place or something right, to that right, effect, right. like real dismissive. When a woman's in a dark place, yeah. you can't reason with her or something that's like that. That's the one, yeah. yeah. And I feel yeah. like that's such a, just a wall and a defense mechanism and it's yeah. so easy for guys to just kind of feel like, oh, whatever, like they're being irrational. Yep. Yeah, you know, and to be honest, I think the whole, like you said, he doesn't, he doesn't think he comes across as bossy, or he doesn't think he is bossy. Um, 
you said in your blog that you felt he was being too bossy in the or that he came across as bossy in the film right yeah you didn't want him to be bossy yeah. like that yeah and i think that that also is a you know i've i've been in his shoes for sure and that's why i'm saying this where i felt like i'm giving you that beta to help you Absolutely. you know that's what i'm here to do i'm here to help you but what she needed at at that time wasn't that kind of help you know yeah. that was the kind of help i thought she needed not what she needed right and and i think that's a an easy place for a guy to go yeah you know and it might be the wrong place well i think it's two sided i think for me i need to realize that um what he was saying was coming from the right from a good place in his mm -hmm. heart like he really wanted me to succeed on the route i think that having communication about yeah like you were saying like maybe instead of you know telling me what i should be doing and i should be doing right. it differently maybe just be there just be supportive and say hey you know yeah if you need something ask me versus like throwing out beta or yeah, totally. like in the film uh, i think chris had said something about you know heather's doing it all wrong like she shouldn't be trying to red point right now right, she should learn right. the gear fully and then do this and that and, and uh i think that kind of overt um those kinds of overt statements i feel like are, are this is so like maybe this is adding into the gender um kind of bias but i feel like that's way more male than female to be like you, you know you're doing stereotypical this, male. you're doing this yeah. wrong you know like overt confidence and I mentioned that in my blog like I feel like I would never tell someone that mm -hmm. I would never be like you're doing this all wrong because right. maybe you're not maybe you're maybe actually going to send yeah. you know you did it so yeah and then you're it worked something right. yeah <laughs> so those kinds of statements I think it's a lot easier for men to be just like really confident in their statements mm -hmm. yeah I think that's true I think that's true, and I fall into that trap pretty often. Um, well, in your thing, role too, you know, with coaching and whatnot, right? I'm sure right. there's a fine balance there. Yeah, well, I'm constantly trying to keep myself in check and trying to understand what is my motivation for saying these things the way I'm saying them, and what what will be most effective, and what does this person need. Even yeah. if it's not the most effective thing in my mind, what is it that they need? You yeah. Know? And, and I know you've worked with Arno. Absolutely. And something I learned from Arno uh, in one of our conversations was that it was really important to ask how my climber wants to be coached. You know, if Annalisa is climbing, I can't just effectively coach her the way I want to be coached. I'm okay with somebody just yelling at me. You sure, know? it's super individual. She's not that way at all. Yep. So if she wants me to be supportive, then tell me that. If she wants me to be quiet, then tell me that. And now I ask, you know, what do you want up there? What do you need up there? Yeah, I love that. And then I try to embody that while she's climbing, you know. And sometimes I fall out of that, right back into that. Here's what you should be doing. Yeah. You know? And I, I'm trying to get away from that. But, but what you said, and I wanted to touch on too, um, you really think about the motivation behind what you're doing. 
And I've done kind of a lot of soul searching in the past year and a half and exploring my motivation with climbing. And Arno's helped me through this. And basically, I think for years, my motivation was largely um, achievement-based motivations. Right. right. You know, like, oh, if only I can climb this next grade. <clears throat> and, you know, did that in sport, did that a little bit, dabbled in bouldering, and then it's like, oh, in trad, you know, and mm -hmm. it's always the next best thing. And I think it's something that's ingrained in us um, as Americans because it's kind of like the same idea, right? Like, I graduate and then I, I get a really good good job. Right. And then, totally. and then I like, you know, buy a house and then I get married and then I have kids and then, you know, enter the next whatever. And it's like, hey, like, let's stop focusing so much on the next big achievement in your life and maybe let's try to focus on like why you're doing the things you're doing. Right. Like what you just, just touched on um, with coaching. And um, so I've really kind of had to come back to a beginner perspective. When I first started climbing, I was climbing because it's like, it's so fun and it brings you outdoors yeah, and yep. with these great people and it challenges your mind and your body and mm -hmm. all of these things that I had to really like think about and come back to. Yeah, it shouldn't be a, a stressful thing for us at all. Yeah. Beyond the stress of, you know, trying to do your best when it's time to do your best. Right. And <clears throat> and also something I talk about with Arno often is like embracing the stress, you yeah. know, like maybe not pushing it so much out of your comfort zone that, that you're, you know, so extremely uncomfortable. But, you know, when we push our limits in climbing, we want the stress, you know, mm -hmm. coming back to to that realization that we're doing this to ourselves. You know, we want to get on something hard because it does push us and we right. want to be in that stress. Right. Versus, and we like that feeling. Yeah. As opposed to, I hate it and I feel bad about myself. Right. I'm not strong enough. Yeah. Why isn't this hold better? Right. Blah, blah, blah. All of this mind chatter. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to that achievement based motivation idea, I think that's part of where that male, um, proclivity to jump straight to giving beta and giving you the way to do it. This is the right way. This is what you should be doing. And I, I noticed that same um, motivation in myself and I see it in a lot of coaches and it's something we talk a lot about in our workshops that we do with coaches that it feels really great to us to say, here's the beta, here's how you do it. Then the person does it, and then we feel like we just achieved something. Absolutely. Like, look what I helped you do. <laughs> and in reality, you didn't teach them anything. You right. know, you gave them the sequence, they did it, they didn't become a better climber. You know, you just handed them something, really. Yeah. And, but it feels like success. Right. And I think we love that feeling. So we're trying to constantly, we as humans, I mean, love that feeling. So we're constantly trying to speed up and get more of that you know and i think that's where that you're doing it wrong you should be doing it like this yeah absolutely you know, I think that's part part of where that comes from like we yeah. want to it's a little ego driven as well yeah 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 very ego driven yeah absolutely for sure yeah 
Yeah, and after I, <clears throat> it was really interesting. After I sent China Doll, I did go through a period of like a little mild depression almost because it was like, what do I do next? Right. Like, how do I top this achievement? Right. That's what I, did you feel like you had to do something bigger? Well, yeah. Like my mind was kind of spinning, but then at the same time, it took so much out of me that the yeah. thought of it like was kind of, was kind of crushing. And so it was really um, fortuitous that I kind of ran into Arno at an OR show like a year and a half ago. And, and uh, you know, all of these kind of little stepping stones were set in place for me. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of help along the way as far as like really addressing my issues of self-worth and my motivation in climbing and in life. So it's been, it's been an interesting journey and, yeah. and it's a process that, you know, I'll continue. Yeah. For the I rest think of my when life. we wrap our identity up in this thing, you know, and, and we all do to some degree, you know, I'm a climber. That's, that's become part of your identity. Right. And, when you do this, when you achieve this big thing, then you automatically, you know, we're, we're sort of programmed to want to keep achieving more. Yeah. So you question what's my identity if I can't do right. more. Right. And like, what's the point of doing like more 13 A's or something, you know, right. like I just like didn't really have any kind of direction anymore. Chris always tells me that, I'm a happier person when I have a project because I have mm -hmm. all of this like direction in my life. But I think that it was really like, beneficial for me to have that time and that introspection afterward. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to kind of confront those deeper kind of aspects of your life. It's so easy, I think, to get caught up in like a rat race and you're like, this is what I'm doing every day, making yourself so busy that you don't have time to think about um, like deeper meanings of what you're doing with your life. Yeah. And I did that for years, you know, um, as a veterinarian, you know, it's just like super busy, sure. uh, you know, and all my day, days off, I was just like out projecting rock climbs, you know, so right. no time to, um, address any of those like deep, dark secrets that get kind of swept under the rug mm -hmm. for many years. Yeah. And, uh, eventually all that stuff surfaces and it, it surfaced in a big way for you. Yeah with China doll because like you were saying in part it, it is such a stressful experience so all that stuff comes mm -hmm. out did you know that while it was being filmed like were you f sensing that you didn't like the way things were working out not at all actually um, when um, John was filming it was actually really nice to have someone else out there so <laughs> Uh, at least most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there was always this sense of pressure, though, in the back of my mind, like, all these people are out here supporting me. Like, John is coming out, like, all these days, and Chris is here, like, every day, like, belaying me. And, like, I had this overwhelming sense of, like, I'm being really selfish, and, like, I'm not even close, and, like, I'm wasting people's times, and, you know, all of these deep, dark thoughts right. that stem from, like, ego and like lack of self self-worth um but it was actually really fun when john was up there filming because it was kind of like i had a little buddy up there because yeah, yeah, it's totally. kind of scary but yeah, i'd just like look over and be like hi again john how's it going everybody needs a little john up on the route <laughs> yeah exactly but that said you know there were some days where 
you know, if I was making negative progress, which were quite a few days, where it was like, like, I just felt that pressure, like John's there and he's like, you know, he's judging me or something. Like right. she's, she's like not doing really well. Like what, you know, mm. what the hell <laughs> or something. Like yeah. That. You know, it's funny how easy that is for us to fall into. Yeah. Um, because we all suck half the days. Absolutely. You know, yeah. we all do. That's just the way it is. Yeah. But when you're not performing well, you think you're the worst rock climber ever oh yeah and i was the worst about that like there were times where i was i was just like i'm supposed to be a professional rock climber and like i totally suck like what am i doing with my life right you know what is wrong with me like and just these thoughts of like yeah people are probably judging me and um but the truth is like everyone judges everyone else and yeah, for sure. honestly, like we are the worst critics. We are the worst judges of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Most of the time people are too busy worrying about what they're doing with themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So we only saw like 20 minutes of the time. I don't remember the length of the film, but yeah. you know, we saw around 20 minutes of what happened in those 70 attempts or whatever. Yeah. And and we get this picture of it that, like I said before, you know, gave me a little bit of a bad taste, made you feel sad for that girl. Was, is that the overwhelming feeling you have of the experience? Or does the film portray a different thing? That's a great question. I'd say the film does a great job of demonstrating a lot of the stressors involved with climbing that route. I mean, there were a lot of days where I would wake up in the morning and I couldn't eat because I was so stressed out or I'd like wake up the night before that I was right. going to try to lead it. Yeah. Because I had um, one attempt I they showed briefly in the film. I had, it was my first lead attempt and I had placed two really small offset Metolius cams um, on this opening bulge, it's probably like a V5 or something. It's really slick and insecure and balancy. And, and I fell and I ripped those two pieces out. I fell onto a triple zero C3, the smallest cam made. And there were two other cams, like a number one and two, I believe in a horizontal crack, like 15 feet below that. So I wouldn't have decked, but it was like, still a I, big, scary it was fall. so scary. It was a big, scary fall. I fell onto the triple zero. It held. Uh, but I kind of fell upside down onto this ledge and I was just like terrified. It's like yeah. the worst feeling, you know, when you're like ripping out gear and you're falling onto a ledge. And I I just remember after that, like, yeah, I would, I would wake up. I wouldn't be able to eat before the climb. During the climb, I'd maybe like eat a bar or something. Mm-hmm. I probably lost like five pounds like right. in that span because it was so stressful. You know, and uh, I had to just convince myself that like, it just, it was going to be okay. Like, don't think about it. Like, just place your gear and don't think about it. Like, don't think about pieces ripping anymore and just like focus on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise that kind of like fear can take over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you said in your blog that in the film, it, it is portrayed as if Chris is belaying you when you did it. But you said in the blog that that isn't actually the case, that he left and two weeks earlier. Yeah. And 
your friend was belaying you. Yeah, that was a really hard time for me. You know, Chris had planned to um, take a trip and meet up with some guy friends in, in uh, Sweden, and or sorry, Switzerland. And, um, you know, I felt like this deep sense of like, he's leaving me, like he's abandoning me. Mm. And this stems from my like deep childhood, like issues and whatnot, this whole abandonment um, idea you know, he was just going on his trip that he had planned on. Right. But to me, it was like he was my main partner. And when you're climbing on something really hard that's traditional, like there's kind of a lot of logistics with the belay too. Yeah, totally. And just the trust issues, you know. Mm -hmm. So when he left, I was like recruiting all sorts of people that I had never really, a couple of people I'd never climbed with before. Right, I'm like, will scary. you belay me on my 514 trap line, please? Yeah. And then thankfully my friend Molly, my girlfriend Molly, she was around. And so we would switch days, you know, she would work on her project. And the next day I'd, uh, she'd belay me on mine and it worked out really well. But you're right. It's just adding to another, like, um, like why didn't they include like, my girlfriend delaying me in the movie. It's kind of another yeah. gender issue that, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, it's inaccurate, but it it fulfilled, they wanted to fulfill a certain storyline, you know, and I guess that's why it's a movie. It's not real life. Sure, yeah. But yeah, that was a little <clears throat> upsetting, but I, I do understand that they kind of wanted to keep with like this story of Chris and I's partnership more than bringing in another character or, or whatnot. But I definitely wanted to address Molly in my blog and, and just to let everyone know that like often in the hardest times in life and your relationship, like who's really there for you? It's, it's your girlfriends. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. How much do you think that played into your send? I mean, did it, once once you had a steady partner back at the route and Molly was there for you, did your did the experience change? Like yeah. when it was no longer this this tough relationship that you have with your significant other, which a, a lot of us do when we go climbing with our significant others. It's a it can be really tough. Yeah. Um once that was gone, did something change? Hmm. Yeah. Actually, I haven't really thought about that too much. Um, I'd say that the consistency of having Molly there every other day to get me on my project is ultimately what led to my success because mm -hmm. at that point it kind of becomes like a game of like roulette. Like <laughs> you're like, okay, it's going to happen. Just like, you know, you need to try a yeah. bunch. One of these times it's going to happen, but you got to put your time in. But that is an interesting question. You know, Chris has belayed me on a lot of um, the hard routes that I've done. So right. I can't really say that, like, I don't have the ability to, you know, focus um, on what I'm doing, the task at hand yeah, as him yeah, as my belayer. Not that Chris is necessarily detrimental to your success. No, he's you know, super, I don't mean it that way at all. Yeah, but, he's very supportive. But I know that when when something is... Like I mentioned with Annalisa earlier, this emotional zenith that she was at, I just made it too much. Right. You know, and and this was an emotional route for you. Yeah. You, know, that you were dealing with some heavy emotions. On yeah. So. You know, I think I would have to say that like most of the emotional stuff that would happen would be like after my attempts mm -hmm. on the route. I do have the ability like 
to really focus on the attempts. It's more like the aftermath. Sure. So, yeah, with Molly, I do believe that there was less, like, emotions after. It was more just, like, excitement and, like, support yeah. versus, like, questions of self-worth and, like, <laughs> like deeper emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, in a lot of ways, it's so great to be able to Mm, just to like share those deep seated emotions with someone. Yeah. Um, but it's also like really hard. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. I've talked for quite a while about trying to do a series of climbing couples podcasts. Cool. And, you know, everybody sit down together and let's fight it out if we have to, you know. <laughs> And I think it could be really revealing because it is, it's really hard. You know, Annalisa and I definitely deal with it. I see a lot of other couples deal with it where the raw emotion comes out, you know, whether you want it to or not. And then you can apologize 30 minutes later (laughs) in the car and everything's fine. But I think, again, I think Annalisa hit on it when she said, I'm, I have this much emotion capacity and you you made me go overboard you know so yeah. i think that happens pretty often and i don't know i think there are times when she's working on something and i need to say you should come out here with your girlfriends right you know? yeah like you guys should come out here and do this together because i'm not capable right now of backing away enough yeah. You know, whether I want to be or not, I know I'm an emotional trigger. Yeah. I know if I have the slightest bit of anxiety in my voice when I'm talking to you, you're going to pick up on it immediately and it's going to cause a fight and or or at the worst cause you to perform poorly or at the best cause you to perform poorly. <laughs> and and that's not what needs to happen right now. So yeah. maybe bring your girlfriends out. For this yeah, one, I, you know? I think that's great. I think ultimately it's about communication, you know, yeah. like what do you need right now? And that goes far beyond just, uh, you know, being mm-hmm. a, a belayer or a climbing partner, right? It's about being like the ultimate, like any kind of great relationship, yeah, right? Exactly. Communication. Every part of it needs that. Yeah, and I feel really lucky in that like Chris and I's climbing relationship is really solid and we have so much fun like mm-hmm. 98% of the time. Right. But, you know, again like we've said with the the huge stress it's it's hard and you know we were both working on the route and like he would like give me the good temps, you know, and um yeah, just like all these dynamics of me feeling kind of guilty and all this stuff. But at the same time, Chris and I climb with other people quite often, you yeah. know, and I think that it's great for couples to do that because mm-hmm. you appreciate, you know, your significant other that much more, like once you're kind of away from them for a little bit because you're like a little bit more in that comfort zone versus like having kind of random layers or, or just, you know, yep. friend layers. So, but I think it's important to change it up and we do and. And we both kind of travel separately too. I think it's healthy. I do too, for sure. And, you know, on that same communication topic, you said that this is kind of a tough subject for you and Chris to talk about still. 
is is what was highlighted in the film that you didn't like seeing is that something you guys have have talked about and are trying to or have worked through yeah i definitely have addressed it and we have discussed it and i think it's better i think between me doing a lot of work on myself yeah and also chris knowing when like maybe not to push me or not to you know say certain things that might trigger me i think yeah i think it's helped a lot i think that you know maybe it's that i just put a lot of like pressure on myself but i do think that that period in my life i i was highly like unstable due to the the stress of the the climb and whatnot and that i had a lot of growing to do with that and uh yeah, it's just a continual process. Totally is. Yeah. And, you know, Chris certainly has his issues and he has a lot of room to grow too. But I think that, I think we're in a lot better place. That's good. That's good. And I'm glad that it's something you're both talking about. You know, yeah. It, and again, I know that this film can only highlight a small percentage of the interactions that happen. And if they were trying to portray this one aspect of the relationship then we see even more of it and it's even more highlighted and blown up absolutely but i do think it is important for for you both to to be working toward a resolution yeah you know rather than you just saying i need to work through my own self-doubt you know he has to take some responsibility as well and work through it with you. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I'm glad that's the case. I'm glad you're both on that same page. Thanks, yeah. So how's climbing feeling for you now? It's great. I feel a lot better about it in general. Like, I feel like a lot less of my ego is involved and wrapped up in climbing than it used to be. You know, even like going into the gym here it can be tough on the ego super intimidating you know there's like all these professional athletes and you know and it's really easy to like there's somebody in there saying that when they see you too oh thanks it's just so easy to like let your mind go into places that are like i'm not good enough right you know Mm -hmm. um but i think i've gotten to a place where it's like a lot easier to I think it ultimately comes down to focused attention and awareness. And so I've been doing a lot of like drills and um, a lot of work with Arno and and just in general, like therapy and all sorts of work on myself. And I think what it comes down to is like being able to focus on what you're doing, right? Like because the moment that you start even looking around the gym and you're like noticing all these people and what they're doing, that's when the mind chatter begins. And it's like, why do we even do that to begin with? You know, Mm -hmm. like if you can stay focused, like, Hey, like I really want to like do this boulder problem. Then like stay focused on your boulder problem and like stay, also stay curious. Um, That's another thing that we've been working on is like, keep your motivation about learning versus achievement. Yep. Because there's always something to, to learn, you know, totally. something to gain. And like, if that's all you focus on versus 
the end goal, then you're going to be, you're going to have a lot more fun in -hmm. the process. Yeah, definitely. And the first, the first interview I did with Arno for the podcast, we talked a little about him, his work with you and what are, so I know that he'd be okay with this question. And actually I told him I was going to be reaching out to you and he thought that was a good idea. Cool. Um, what are some of the things that you do? Are they, you know, are there physical things that you're doing as drills or are they all just mind exercises? What, you know, yeah. what are you doing to get into this better place? Yeah, that's a great question. So <laughs> um, one of the drills that I do every morning, at least mostly every morning is kind of a meditation drill, but it's, we call it a situa- situational awareness drill where basically um, I'm standing and closing my eyes and I'm changing my focus. I'm first starting the focus on my feet and then on my ankles and then, mm-hmm. you know, bottom of my leg, top of my leg, hips, <clears throat> and et-, et cetera. And then it's about, you know, you do that for about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and then it's switching into a com- compartment uh, mentalization where you have awareness of the bottom half of your body and how it's rooted into the ground and then the top half of your body and how it's kind of reaching up uh, toward the sky. And then the third part is coming into your senses. So um, awareness of breathing and also um, awareness of things like um, hearing, um, touch, and sight. So um, obviously open your eyes at that point and just observe. And so practicing these things without judgment, for instance, not like looking at an object and saying, oh, there's a table and it's dirty, I should clean it. That's not a place. Just say, you know, there's like this cool like shape, smooth shape, you know, and just observe. Yeah. And I think being able to different times in the day to come back into your breathing and your senses. Like if you're in kind of gnarly traffic or something to be able to come back to your breathing, come into your body and your senses um, is super valuable. Yeah. And in climbing, you know, being really attentive to your body, like for instance, for um, warming up, be really attentive, not just be like, I'm getting getting through my warm-ups, you know, and rushing through or whatnot, which I used to have a tendency to do, um, you know, really focus on, again, each body part and then your breathing and then sensations. Yeah. Um, and I think in times of stress, um, coming back to that, coming back to your breathing is what brings you back to the present mm-hmm. and back into, into your real self and not this mind chatter that could persist forever. You know, I think a lot of my trouble in the past and a lot of people's trouble is like getting caught up in thinking too much, yep. you know, and just letting the wheels <clears throat> turn and race and go off into all different tangents. And then you feel this like deep sense of anxiety and, and uh, lack of focus. And then you feel overwhelmed and you can't do anything. Yeah. And I think, I think the awareness part of that is, is a really big component. You know, it's, it's something that we coach a lot, um, different, different aspects of being aware of certain 
parts of your body, putting your focus in different places while you're doing your warm-ups. And really what all that teaches you is how to become hyper-aware of small little details and in your case, and in, in all of our cases, frankly, if it's a detail like, oh, I, you know, those people are climbing harder than I am, they're probably watching me, you know, flail on this V3 or whatever, then by becoming more aware, we can say, we can recognize that we're having that thought. Yeah, and label it. It's just a yep. thought. And then just let it go. Yeah. It doesn't need to affect anything. Right. You know, it's human to have those thoughts. Exactly. Understanding that that's human nature, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So that's helped a lot. Um, other th- practices are, you know, not listening, not listening to music while training um, in any capacity because it's kind of, it's a distraction, right? Mm-hmm. So again, being completely present with what you're doing at any yeah. given moment. And I think you can learn over time, and people talk about this in meditation as well, that once you've practiced meditation for a long enough time, you could meditate on the bus on the way to work. Yeah. And I think that over time, if you learn to be really present in your training and in your climbing, then even if there is music present, it won't matter to you anymore. Right. You can be present within yourself while all of this chaos is going on around you. Absolutely, I feel like that's... But it's a practice. It has to start in the simplest place for it to start. Yeah, yeah, but that's true. That's, I think, the ultimate test is trying to have kind of a meditative state in in the midst of, you know, kind of chaos. Right. Yeah, that's when you need it the most, too, in these types of stressful situations, so... Yeah, and and something else I wanted to highlight is that all these, you know, this drill that you just talked about is great. And I I think it's a really great way to start your day to, you know, if you find yourself spinning out of control, it's a great way to reroute yourself. And and it can carry over to your climbing as well. You know, Arno just came and took a workshop with us uh, in Chattanooga. And I wish I'd have known that you were doing this drill before then because it fits right into uh, our workshop. We, we talk a lot about be, you know, being able to put your focus on specific parts of your body so that you no longer have to focus on them. You know, put the focus there for a while, practice that, and then it becomes second nature to drive through your legs, to keep driving with the arm that you're, you're moving off of. You know? Yeah. And, and by starting the way that you're starting, you're, you're creating this awareness of your lower body, then of your lower or your upper body. And you're able to start taking that awareness and moving it to different things, you know, focusing on smaller parts instead of just, oh, here's how I walk. You know, you can focus on the smaller parts of how it works. I think it's really key for projecting too, because I mean... Projecting is all about paying attention to the subtlest things, all the little subtleties, right? And it's also like what got me through the hard times is like making these tiny little progressions, right? Right. But the first step I think is awareness of like, well, maybe if I shift my hip slightly here or if I, you know, grab this hold slightly differently, then, you know, all of these subtleties add up into, 
into success. So yeah. So it's interesting that I, I know you're a projector, and you love the the process of projecting, and that you can find those small, tiny little successes, you know, and latch onto those, and that's enough to keep you going. How do those not play into increasing your self-worth while you're working on a project? Um, I don't know if I understand that. So <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure that I'm wording it right. Um, if you're finding all these small reasons to see success, mm-hmm. why don't those small little reasons translate into feeling better about yourself? Yeah, I think that most of the time um, it would, but I would have intermittent times of complete overwhelm. And sure. I think also for me, negative progress has always been the hardest. <clears throat> so when I'm having continual progress, you just it, want it to be this linear. Yeah, I want it to be linear. Yeah, yeah, no, no matter how long I've been projecting, <laughs> I like always have this disconnect of, you know, hey, like sometimes you're going to have a a day where you don't feel very well or like conditions suck or something, you know? And so negative Mm -hmm. progress is part of the game. Um, I think that I've gotten better about taking that situation being like, okay, so I'm not going to make overt progress, but what can I learn? Like, can I like adjust any kind of beta or what can I gain from this burn? Because I'm not going to, you know, get a high point or a low point or whatever. Yeah. And you can always, even if you don't learn anything, even if you don't make any progress, you can always chalk it up to a fitness burn and then it's, then it's a positive, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's definitely hard. When I first got on China doll, I couldn't do more than like two moves in a row on top rope on the 13 C part of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it would have been really easy to become completely overwhelmed at the thought of one day, you know, sending the 14A part like completely on gear. Like it's so far away, right? So what got me through that process was just like these little mini successes. Like, ooh, like I linked five moves in a row on top rope, you know, Mm -hmm. and not like jumping to the big picture. So, you know. And I assume that's how you're also working on these self-confidence or self-worth issues yeah and bits I think, at a time and yeah understanding that there is no end right. you know i mean same with climbing like once you climb your project there's no end well hopefully you get to keep climbing right you yeah, get to pick yeah. a new one so, so, yeah. so it's the same with all the mental stuff it's like i'm never going to just nail it all of a sudden i'm going to be like so solid right. so mentally stable and healthy that you know like i've achieved it no, it's like always a process. I'll always be working on it. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad that you're working on it, and I'm glad that it's working out for you, that climbing's in a better place for you than what you saw in that film when you watched it. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really lucky to be able to live the type of lifestyle where I do have the time to focus on these things. Totally. You know, I think mental health in our country is, you know, it's a, it's a forgotten aspect of our lives and it's like the most important yeah. aspect of healthcare really so I feel really fortunate to be able to have more time in my life you know to quit my job as a vet and to just climb and in the interim you know be able to explore all of these different things within myself yeah cool well I appreciate you taking the time out and letting me 
struggle through this conversation with you. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. It's tough to talk about, but it's it's also really fun to talk about. So yeah, and I think it's an important topic. You know, I think yeah. a lot of people deal with it, and and they don't necessarily deal with it out in the open. And I think it's it's going to be great for a lot of people to hear you talk about it as openly as you are. That's my hope. I want people to know that they're not alone. And I've gotten so much outreach, especially especially from a lot of women, that they've just really appreciated the candidness um, in that film. And I think a lot of women don't feel so alone anymore in their thoughts. That's really good. I was a little nervous that the film was going to be like every other climbing film and just be a celebration of Ascend and disappear into the ether. (laughs) And I know there's a much more important issue going on there so great that's good to hear thanks so much yeah Yeah. thanks for having me yeah no problem thanks heather i appreciate it first off uh thanks again heather for being so open and candid i really appreciate uh the good conversation and i also want to say that after watching it again the film still leaves a bit of bit of a bad taste in my mouth and it's not necessarily a knock on it Um, Not all films should leave you warm and fuzzy. And my reaction is likely a result of being a little mired into two different conversations. One of gender equality and stereotypes, which I continue to have private conversations about following episode 54 with Shelma Jun. And the other is that of how to be a better climbing partner, particularly with your significant other, which can be really, really difficult. And like I mentioned in the conversation with Heather, is something that I've been working hard on myself. And frankly, you know, that's something that judging by the film, that Chris Widener needs to work on as well, along with Heather. And, and I really, truly hope they are. I'm also not sure how making a climbing film works, but editing Chris's voice into the send footage and making it seem as if Chris were really there you know, that seems to have missed the intended point for me. Um, sometimes we do make these high-pressure situations more difficult for our significant others, and it's best if we can just get the hell out of the way while simultaneously working toward not adding any more pressure. And I wish that opportunity had been taken by the filmmakers, but again, I'm deeply mired in these conversations, so it seemed like an apparent thing to me. And maybe their storyline was that Chris and Heather worked through this together. Um, So, you know, last I want to say that I'm impressed by Heather for being more open than she has to. You know, I've linked in the show notes to her blog post that we mentioned, and if you haven't read it, go do so. And she's also been really open about working with Arno Ilgner and how that's helped her And I think that's incredibly important to show that being a a physically and technically sound climber is only a small part of this much bigger process. And not everyone needs that, just like we don't all need the campus, you know. But it would be great if, if we were open enough to share our mental practice on Instagram just as easily as we post moonboard videos. And I think that Heather's willingness will help with that. I'm sure that it will. If 
And one more thing, I've been toying with this idea of doing a series talking to climbing couples. Uh, the benefits, the struggles, couples living in a van, couples who have different levels of commitment to their climbing, um, people with kids, with baggage, whatever. And if that's something you'd be interested in hearing, reach out, let me know. Um, you can find us on the internet at powercompanyclimbing.com, on the Facebooks and Instagrams at, at powercompanyclimbing. Uh, but don't be silly and go hunting for us on the Twitters because like my dude Xander Taylor does every time he sends a boulder, we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.